Hi. How are you? Not too bad, and yourself? With all due respect, let's get the small talk. Welcome to Let's Give the Small Talk, a podcast show where we talk about it all, one topic at a time. I'm your host, Tyconis Allison. With that being said, ready, set, stimulate. Let's Give the Small Talk. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to episode 56 of Let's Give the Small Talk. Today is going to be a very special episode because today, I will be reintroducing you to one of the greatest singers of all time. He has sung in multiple genres, from gospel, to rock, to soul, to pop, and some say the early beginnings of rhythm and blues is because of him. With all that being said, I can tell that you're mighty anxious. So without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you... Mr. Sam Cook. Don't know much about history. Don't know much biology. Don't know much about a science book. Don't know much about the French I took. But I do know that I love you. And I know that if you love me too, what a wonderful world this would be. Thank you so much, Mr. Cook. You are deeply revered for your timeless music. It never gets old. However, today, I would like to introduce everyone to the other side of Sam Cook that many people may not be familiar with. Before we dive deep, let's talk about the podcast. If you enjoy Let's Skip the Small Talk and you would like to see this podcast reach its fullest potential, then by all means, please do so. All you have to do is simply text this episode link, this one, to one person in your phone. Just one. It helps out tremendously, trust me. And thank you in advance. Okay, let's jump into our first segment of the show, score. Goal season is here. I repeat, gold season is here. Today, I would like to share a message with everyone about the importance of writing down your dreams, your goals, and your actions. I know you guys have heard me say it a thousand times, and you can bet on me saying it another thousand times because it is the first step to accomplishing or achieving whatever it is that you want in life. I'm going to say it one more time for the people in the back. Writing down your goals, your dreams, and your actions is the first step to accomplishing or achieving whatever it is you want in life. Guys, words have power. The words you utter from your mouth and the words you write down on paper are both equally powerful. Both 
are solid as concrete, which is why I encourage you time after time to watch what you say. You may not realize it, but your words dictate your actions and your actions create your reality. I cannot break it down any more than that. Your words dictate your actions and your actions create your reality. So please, once again, watch what you say seriously and watch what you write down, okay? If you think life is random, then you're sadly mistaken. You are. You know what? I want you to take some time and I want you to hearken back on your life and look at how your words have shaped it to be what it is today. Okay? All right. With that being said, let's get back to our guest of honor, Mr. Sam Cook. Sam Cook is known to many as the father of modern day soul. I can sit here for 30 minutes and run down all of his accolades, but that's not what this episode is about. This episode is titled, Change is Gonna Come. Yes, that is one of Sam Cook's most popular songs, but it's the title of this song and the lyrics within it and how we are still waiting for change that will be the center of our discussion today. Let's get started. After Sam Cooke made the conscious decision to leave gospel music and sing other genres, he quickly rose to stardom, so much so his debut single. Imagine this, guys. Imagine the first song you put out. Hits number one on Billboard Top 100 and Rhythm and Blues. Once Sam began to tour the country, when he made it down south, Sam was from Chicago. When he made it down south, he realized how different things were firsthand. Jim Crow laws were heavy in effect. Everything was segregated from hotels to restaurants to the music venues he performed at. It immediately did not sit well with Sam Cooke. It did not. And I'm sure it didn't for many people. The fact that all of these people came out to see him. Caucasian and African-American, they filled the seats. Caucasians sat at the bottom and African-Americans sat way up top in the nosebleed section. Even though Sam sold out the place and made the venue a bunch of money, he was treated second class even though he was the star. Imagine if that was you. How would you feel if you was treated second class And you were the reason why everyone showed up tonight. You were the reason why everyone got their hair done. You was the reason why the fellas went and got a fresh haircut. You were the reason why the ladies put on their best dress. You were the reason why the fellas put on their best suits and shoes. You were the reason why everybody put on their best cologne and perfume. You were the reason why everybody filled up this venue tonight. You, to hear you sing. Because they loved your music. And you were treated second class. You were the reason why the venue just made thousands of dollars. But you were treated 
like nothing. You still had to come through the back door. To be on the center of the stage, you had to come through the back door. I want you guys to think about that. Better yet, if you could, I want you guys to feel that. How does that make you feel? All right. What bothered Sam the most was that the fact that his own people had to enter and exit the venue through the back door and that they couldn't have better seats to view him. Sam despised the treatment. So he took matters in his own hands, rightfully so. One day when he was in Memphis, Tennessee, set to perform in just a few hours, he asked the owner, of the venue. Hey, uh, where do the African-Americans sit? And the owner pointed way up in the back. Sam nodded. He went and gathered up all of the fellow musicians who were set to perform that night. And he said, guys, we're not performing here. We're boycotting the show. And everyone left out right behind Sam and they followed him back to the hotel. Hours later, right before showtime, One of the musicians came into Sam's room and he said, hey, Sam, they all left to the venue. Sam said, yeah, I know, but I refuse to ever perform in a segregated auditorium again. And at that point, people began to have a newfound respect for Sam Cook. He was RCA's his record label, he was RCA's biggest artist with multiple hit songs, yet he didn't pretend that all was well and dandy in the world. He was not silent about the treatment of African-American and black people in this country. So much so, he started to implement the struggle in his music, such as the chain gang. And it goes a little something like this. All day long they work so hard Till the sun is going down Working on the highways and byways And wearing, wearing a frown You hear them moaning their lives away Then you hear somebody say That's the sound of the men Working on the chain Gang I want you guys to think about your favorite artist today. Does your favorite artist speak on any real life issues, any social issues? Do they use their voice, the power that it has? Do they use it for good? I want you to think about that. Okay. Sam Cooke's civil rights efforts captured the FBI's attention. As you guys know from previous episodes, listen, J. Edgar Hoover, he hated anybody in any movement that promoted the betterment of African-American or black people in this country. He despised it. He hated it. He felt like it would change the country. He felt like it was the biggest threat to the country. It was dangerous. He wanted things to stay the way they were. He did not care about us. Point blank, period. The director of the FBI did not care about us. 
So in so many words, you can say this. The FBI didn't care about us. He spied on MLK. He spied on Malcolm X. He spied on Muhammad Ali. He spied on Fred Hampton. He spied on Angela Davis. And of course, he spied on Sam Cooke. That's just the name of few. The moment Sam Cooke, Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, and Jim Brown all got together one night in Miami, J. Eggert Hoover lost his mind. He lost his goddamn mind. The fact that Sam Cooke was incredibly famous and his music touched so many people, he was a huge threat in Hoover's eyes and many others, such as the owners of the music record labels. I'll tell you why. Sam Cooke audited RCA Victor. That's the name of his record label that he was with. He audited them and his accountant discovered that they were withholding hundreds of of thousands of dollars in royalties from Sam Cooke alone. Just Sam Cooke alone. So Lord knows who else they were stealing money from. If they was doing it to their biggest artists, I'm sure everyone else got the same treatment. The relationship between record labels and the artists in general have been historically awful And still is till this day. Everyone has been ripped off. Michael Jackson, The Beatles, Prince, Run DMC, to NWA. Whoever you could think of has had a bad contract. The sad part is back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, many artists said they were paid in cocaine instead of money. Which either started or contributed to many of them having drug addictions. From Etta James, to Frankie Lyman, to Ray Charles, and many others. Just an FYI, as an artist, just because you're famous does not mean you're rich. At all. Now back to Sam Cooke. Once they gave Sam the check that he was owed, he immediately thought of ownership. He wanted to start his own publishing company and his own record label. And he did just that. Saw Records. Sam's goal was to bring artists in and help them get the shine and money they deserve. So much so, he even called other prominent musicians such as James Brown and Smokey Robinson and many others to put their money together so they can start their own booking agency. Sam Cooke knew the business and he knew if things were going to be fair, it had to be done by his own people. The record label was not happy at all about this, as you can imagine. Mobsters were sent to Sam Cooke's dressing room one night after a show and they told him to knock it off and stop trying to create a music union because it would affect the record labels and the mob's pockets. Sam told him to get the hell on and get the hell out of his dressing room. Sam began to take a look into his own contract that his manager, Alan Klein, worked out with RCA. Now, Alan Klein was the accountant that did the audit in the first place. So Sam trusted him, but he quickly found out that 
the new record label, the new publishing company did not belong to him. It belonged to Alan Klein. Alan Klein owned all the rights to the music. Sam was furious, as you can imagine, and he planned to fire Alan on Monday when he got to New York. Unfortunately, Sam Cooke never made it to New York. That Friday, Sam Cooke was killed in Los Angeles in a motel. He was shot to death. He was just 33 years old. 33. Wow. Some say life begins in your 30s. Wow. Just when he was getting started. From civil rights to ownership, Sam Cooke was more than music. Crazy part is that till this day, we're still dealing with both of those issues, just like Sam was dealing with them 50 years ago. 50 years ago. But like Sam said, change is going to come. Yes, it will. With that being said, here is Sam Cooke's biggest song, a song for the soul that has certainly brought tears to my eyes before. It's been too hard living, but I'm afraid to die. Cause I don't know what's up there beyond the sky. It's been a long But I know a change gonna come. Oh, yes, it will. Okay. Let's jump into our next segment. Have a treat. As you know, each and every episode, I recommend something for you to read, something for you to watch, something for you to do because you deserve to treat yourself. You deserve some time out of your day for yourself. Yes, you. So here's what I recommend for you to watch. I recommend that you watch The Two Killings of Sam Cooke. It is a beautiful documentary on Netflix. You guys check it out. It's everything I said plus a whole lot more. Like a whole lot more. Please check it out. It's really, really good. And it's about an hour long and you fly right through it looking for more, doing research for more right after. I guarantee you. Now for something to read. What I recommend that you read. You notice earlier I mentioned the name Etta James, right? Etta James, known to many, is the finest soul singer of the rock era. And she also sung blues and jazz as well. But I want you to read her story. And the book is titled Rage to Survive, the Etta James story by David Ritz and Etta James. And the story is about her life. It describes her chaotic world of the early music days, but it also touches on her dependency on drugs and bad men. And it also tells the story 
of her biggest song tell mama that she never, ever, ever, ever received a penny for? So millions, millions of that one single and never received a penny of it. Rage to Survive. Once again, it is the story of Etta James. I want you guys to check it out by David Ritz and Etta James herself. Now for something to do. What I recommend that you do is what I asked you to do early. I want you to hearken back on your words. I want you to just just take five minutes, please. Take five minutes and I want you to think back in your life and see how your words have shaped the life you're living today. Because remember, your words dictate your actions and your actions create your reality. I want you to take five minutes and harken back and look at how significant your words have been in your own life. Okay? All right. Thank you so much for listening. I deeply appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode, please support by just texting this link to one other person in your phone so they can enjoy it as well. Before you leave, I want to leave you with this quote. It's been a long time coming, but I know a change is going to come. Thank you.